0: bismillahirrahmanirrahim assalamualaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh hi everyone welcome to the last episode of the season two of the shah herald nightlife thank you for joining us tonight and today we are very pleased to you know invite you because we have this special guest all the way from the uk Um, her name is aisha Roselli, and she has also her own youtube channel you can go check it out google it uh, on youtube you can Just search, you know, Aisha is A-I-S-H-A and uh, Rosalie, R-O-S-A-L-I-E, yeah. So Google her and check out her her YouTube channel, okay? Uh, She's basically, you know, uh, she's an 80s before, before she came to embrace Islam. She's a British and she's currently a media professional as well. And so if you guys have any questions related to film, you know, if you're a Muslim and in the film industry can you pursue that that industry given you're muslim is it hard to still practice islam you know being in that industry Um, maybe you can post your questions on the comment section and we get aisha to to give you the answers inshallah yeah so without much further ado right i'll just do a brief introduction to our panelists Uh, most of you know them already (laughs) and uh, alhamdulillah we have here on the top right uh in the forefront, okay, brother Iskander all the way from the Netherlands, Holland. Assalamu alaikum. Thank you for having me again. Walakum salam Rahmatullah. So how, how's the weather there? Good? Netherlands? Sunny? It's bright. N-
1: yeah, it's sunny for some reason.
0: Sunny. Okay. <laughs> yeah. is, what season is it there now? Is it uh Four, summer? Or? Autumn. Autumn. Oh, beautiful. Yeah. So the leaves are turning orange now, I guess. And not, it not should yet. be should be okay yeah. and it's about 4 p.m over there right 4 in the afternoon 4 p.m right now Yeah. okay alhamdulillah all right alhamdulillah. next up we'll have uh sister sister Risi all the way from Toronto check out her youtube channel Risiology R-U-I-S-I-O-L-O-G-Y she recently just also posted a new video up on her channel do check it out Um, I can't remember the title but I think something to do with mom is it um parents or something yeah
2: i just made a video about toxic parents and like the the cultures of parenting that you know the cycles that we can break out of it but you know just like a little video but don't worry about
0: it yeah. that's that's <laughs> cool so she, Risi is like quite a philosopher herself you know so she shared her thoughts on her youtube channel do check it out maybe inshallah me and Risi will also do our own little uh side side shows in time to come inshallah okay next uh we have brother Kevin Sidi Lim all the way from Convert Central in Singapore
3: brother. Waalaikumsalam.
0: thanks for joining us again um so he's appeared now the second time here on the Night Live. inshallah we'll see more of him he's a uh, very cheerful and you know he's a Singaporean right like me so very <laughs> happy to see another Singaporean here on the channel too yep um, you can also check out his channel, it's called Convert Central, which is C-O-N-V-E-R-T-S, with apostrophe after the S, and Central, C N T R A L. So do check his channel out too, uh, for information about Islam, if you're interested. Alright, now without much further ado, oh, Sister Nyla is coming in soon, inshallah. If she comes in, I will just share a bit more about her. But now, the start of tonight, we have Sister Aisha. Assalamu alaikum sister.
4: <laughs> Wa alaikum Thank you so much for having me.
0: Thank you so much for joining us for tonight. So sister Aisha, okay. We, we know a bit of your, your story, right? You say you were an atheist and all, so maybe you can share with us, you know, uh, were you firstly an atheist because you want to be one or do, you, do your parents or were your parents atheists as well? Yeah.
4: Yeah. That's a really good question. Actually atheism wasn't really a choice like i never sat down and thought i'm an atheist i don't believe in god like that never occurred that never happened i was just brought up in a family that had no religion that um, never spoke about god so i just didn't understand um what god was and i think when i was a kid i i naturally more inclined towards uh you know when you're a kid you know you do things like when you lay in bed and you pray you're like, God, please give me this toy. Like, I did things like that when I was a kid. But um, my family never introduced me to God. But I think I always, I could never really picture what it was in my head. Like I sometimes would picture like a man. And um, we have this thing in the West where we picture a man on the cloud. I don't know why people do that, but it's something that I used to do. And it wasn't until I was introduced to Islam that I really started to understand what God is. So, I didn't choose to be atheist. I didn't think there's no God, but I also, um, yeah, I, I also was atheist because I didn't understand God, if that made sense.
0: Yeah, uh, that makes sense. Yeah. Um, because, you know, the impression that maybe I get, or maybe most Asians get, uh, people in Europe are probably mostly Christians uh, because maybe we have this impression that jesus was a christian <laughs> i mean a christian you know in a western kind of image right so um uh, that was my perspective but i think you that has changed over time right most people are now more like free and easy they they kind of like live a day at a time uh are most people agnostic and atheist over there maybe what what is exactly a difference between an atheist and a, an agnostic is there a big difference between these two
4: i don't know to be honest these mm-hmm. words, atheist, agnostic, these were not words that I ever considered because yep. religion was just not something that came into my life. I never considered. Um, the only time I saw these words was when I'd have to fill out a form and you'd have to tick, like, what religion are you? I was like, I don't know. I'm, I'm nothing. So I would just tick. I'd, like, look up on Google, like, what's an atheist? I guess maybe that's me. I don't know. Because it just, <laughs> never, it just never came into my life. Like, um, it just mm-hmm. not it's just not part of our culture here in the uk and all my friends are the same even people that call themselves christian they don't a lot of my friends they don't even have any understanding of god or what god is or um how to behave in front of god or or what like god brings into someone's life when you believe in him when you trust him um yeah it just it's just a lack of understanding we um we've really lost religion a lot of people say it since the war since the war the um european countries have turned away from religion and uh, i think it's true i mean hardly anyone nowadays that i meet here in the uk um holds on to their faith or belief it's it's very shallow
0: i see yeah so, okay. so in the
1: netherlands there's like a uh, an area of the netherlands which we call the bible belt so the rest of the netherlands is like super secular and I was wondering if the UK has something similar
4: no we don't you know what we really don't really have religion anymore even Christians you hardly meet any Christians I can't I can't even think of any Christians off the top of my head people that I've met a lot of our schools we don't even go to church anymore um, we don't like sing any hymns or anything it's really just disappeared I don't know why it really has
0: yeah but I think what survives uh, are the architecture of a lot of beautiful churches. I think I've been to Europe a couple of times and I look at the architecture, they're beautiful. I've seen, you know, colored glasses and paint paintings and all that. So um, it's quite amazing, you know, like something so prominent in the past is now gone all of a sudden, yeah. mostly. Most people just turn to free-thinking people, I guess. Not no more a religious uh, affiliation. Um, yeah. So, so you know, uh, on a side note as well, you know, in Singapore, uh, recently, you know, there's a statistics drawn on in the news, which I'm going to share with you uh, momentarily. Yep. That you know, most Singaporean youths in today's context uh, are actually without a religious affiliation. And uh, it's quite interesting here because out of this uh, group of religious uh, uh, people with no religious affiliation, you can look up Straits Times uh, here, Singapore News on June 16 this year, right? That uh, most of those who are the youths, they do not have a religious affiliation. And of those who do not have religious affiliation, the percentage of converts are actually higher in Islam. That's, uh, law, I would say. That's an interesting fact to know in Singapore. So, you know, I I heard from someone who actually told me that uh, actually the amount of reverts coming to Islam per year on an average in Singapore, it's about 500 500 reverts. That's an average uh, number of reverts. So we are doing all we can to offer the support uh, to these new reverts in Singapore as well. So, okay. Uh, So tonight, why, you know, because uh, sister here is an atheist or so. So maybe those without religious affiliation would find her sharing uh, quite relatable. So how did you, from, you know, uh, someone who has no religion, right? Someone who don't really think about the creator at the point of time, come to actually, you know, look at Islam as something you want to embrace? I would think that you would be a more free-spirited person who... Who just pursue progress in life someone who wants to succeed in life and why is religion suddenly such an important part of your life and why islam yeah
4: you know i was very yolo before um i became muslim i think we had this discussion right we, we spoke about this before i was very yolo um and i had this uh mentality of i was very i very much believed in law of attraction i don't know if you guys have heard of law of attraction it It doesn't really work, but it was that I would manifest things. I would be like, if I manifest things in my head by constantly thinking, if I'm successful, I'm going to manifest it. It's all me. I'm in control of everything. You know, I had this, like, mentality. And I think just throughout time, that mentality just really didn't work for me because, you know, because we're not in control of anything. I mean, the belief of self-sufficiency is one of the biggest reasons a lot of us commit sin, thinking we're self-sufficient, that everything comes from us, we control everything, we we don't. And letting go of that and actually being like, God controls everything, you know, we have no control over anything. Like I, I can't control my metabolism, even if I want to, I can't control anything, even when it comes to myself. And just realizing that was such a big deal for me and that was when I was in Turkey was when it really hit me um so I was in Turkey just travelling and that's when I discovered islam for the first time i didn't take it seriously when i first started learning i just thought pretty mosque um the headscarf is quite cool i kind of like the look of it um turkey is beautiful the people were really nice lovely muslims i was meeting really kind people I started reading the Quran, and I was like, "Okay, this is interesting." I started finding um, ayats that I really liked. I remember when I first started reading, I took pictures on my phone every time I read an ayat that I was like, "Huh, this is really cool. I, I, I like this," and I would take pictures, and and it just it just kept progressing. And then I started learning how to pray, and I think once I started learning how to pray again, just out of curiosity, I didn't have any like inclination to become Muslim. I didn't want to become Muslim. I just started learning how to pray. And that's when I really started building a connection with God that I knew I couldn't let go of and that I knew that what I was doing was real because there's no way that I could be praying and reading Quran and doing all these things. And that everything good was happening in my life so many good things were coming I was feeling peace in my heart for the first time less anxious I wasn't um, I had such a huge issue when it came to wanting attention all the time I would dress in a certain way and for the first time in my life I could go out on the streets and not need to dress in that way and that was a huge thing for me and uh, I had so many issues, and Islam just seemed to open up my heart in a way that stopped those issues coming into my life. So that was such a huge deal for me.
0: Mashallah. Oh, well, before we go on, uh, Sister Naila is here. Sister Naila <laughs> was previously also from, uh, she appeared in of Nightlife in our previous episodes. And Sister Naila also have her own YouTube channel. She runs the Islam channel in the UK. And you can check it out, Victoria of Islam. And uh, Nyla is also previously, you know, formerly in the 80s before she embraced Islam. Assalamualaikum, sister. Welcome to tonight's nice. show.
5: Um, thank Thanks you. I'm so glad to be here on my twin sister
2: <laughs> show today. Um, I saw I some know.
0: beautiful photos of you guys on the mountain uh, on Facebook. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's a very nice, uh, you know, track and track the track that you walk up today to the, 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 the mountain. I believe you yeah, guys also actually, probably also um, prayed there.
5: We were actually raising money for orphans and widows in Gaza. Um, Alhamdulillah, yeah, it was our first fundraiser um, and the first thing we did together sort of on this. And Alhamdulillah, it was a huge success. And uh, Aisha doesn't know this yet, but inshallah on Monday, we're going to have a massive donation added. We've already reached our goal of £10,000, Alhamdulillah. But another mm-hmm. brother uh, is going to top up. He said, you'll be very happy when you see the donations. So I'm really like, can't wait for tomorrow, inshallah. But yeah, oh, it was an amazing experience. Aisha made it to the top, which we never thought she would.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
0: so uh, how, uh, if you want to donate as well, how do we donate? Do we go to, do you have uh, the link or anything? Maybe you can put it on the, on the chat.
5: Yeah, yeah yeah i can do that yeah i'll get the link uh, it's a launch good link um it's open until what's the date today oh we got four more days to collect donations inshallah.
0: okay so yeah you yeah
5: inshallah. awesome
0: inshallah if you guys want to donate to gaza you know and to uh put your donations you just follow, uh, follow the link later when sister and I put it on the chat and uh, i'm curious also because you know um in singapore we're still wearing masks in the uk is no one is wearing masks anymore is it endemic state or what? oh Nobody my gosh
5: I, I live like very central I just quite lucky she doesn't actually live in london but i live very central london and it's yeah. disgusting outside <laughs> it's oh, like no, wait, wait. it's almost like the pandemic never happened and because people have been trapped in like a cage for like two years they've just gone extra and the streets are like just packed with people going out almost every night of the week it's just it's pandemonium outside it's really okay it's really scary i don't leave my house very often <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> God, allah protect all of you uh, I mean, in the pandemic. Man. yeah but in it's sure. nice to be able to go
5: back to the mosques i went to the mosque for the first time in two years yesterday alhamdulillah yeah. i caught Maghrib prayer and it was it was so nice to be there and then i was thinking you know subhanallah how like the only way we can say the mosques haven't become like epicenters for the virus to spread is by the will of allah because it seems like the kind of place where that would spread you know but subhanallah we haven't heard of any situations where mosques have been like major outbreaks it's been like these parties and these um, festivals and things that are causing like 10,000 cases but the mosques are like nope we're good alhamdulillah mashaAllah
0: are you currently in london also yes i am yeah okay i'm in central london Sorry. cool all right so uh back to aisha's story <laughs> thank yes. you so much for your sharing that we are really interested to know all this all right so uh, sister aisha um so curious right um how how come you chose Islam you know like there's also so many religions out there okay yeah you say you went to Turkey and uh, you probably have also some misconception of Islam previously maybe from the media uh, what did you think Islam was at the time? And how did that change?
4: (laughs) I just want to say, I'm so happy Naila's here. (laughs) Alhamdulillah. Okay. So um, when it comes to Islam, so I had actually looked into other religions before. Um, I was traveling India for a while, so I looked into Hinduism, which um, I liked the the meditation kind of aspect, but I also didn't understand the... um, Idol worship part was a bit confusing for me. I I did have at one point I had a it was Ganpati it was called like a like an elephant and um and for me at the time like I kind of enjoyed like meditating and all that kind of stuff but I never really took it seriously like I never thought that was God you know like I never looked at the like the idol and thought that's God but I really enjoyed the religion in the sense that I could like just sit and find peace in my very busy lifestyle. Um, but again, I didn't see it as a religion. So I experimented with that. I experimented with Christianity a little bit. Um, but for some reason I, um, again, I just couldn't take it seriously. Um, I just had some issues. Uh, it wasn't, I never had issues in the sense that somebody said something to me and I thought, oh, that's false. You're lying. It wasn't like that. It was just that I, when I went to church, I didn't feel connected to anything, I didn't feel a part of it. I felt very disconnected. Um, it was a lot of singing and dancing, which for me wasn't like, it wasn't what I was looking for. I, I didn't want to be like singing and dancing. I wanted to find peace in my heart because I had a lot of, um, I had a lot of burdens in my life. I had a lot of built up pain that I was looking to sort of release and I couldn't release it there either. So um, Islam was never a religion I considered. Never, ever, ever, ever. There were even times I went on Google and I would do these quizzes. I don't know if you've like ever done them before, um, where you type in, like, what religion am I? You know, you type in Google, what religion am I? And then there's like a quiz and it's like, do you do this? Yes. And then I would always come back like I should be a Buddhist. I would always get that. Um, but, <laughs> <laughs> but, but I never, never, ever considered Islam. <clears throat> and Turkey really, it was the first Muslim country I'd ever been to. And it really opened my eyes to what Muslims are, what Islam can be. And I just saw so much beauty and I saw so much peace. And it wasn't, I wasn't expecting to find peace in Islam. Because going to the misconceptions you were talking about, there are a lot of misconceptions when it comes to Islam. A lot of people think Islam is a religion that hates non believers, that wants to kill non believers um a lot of people think Islam oppresses women a lot of people think that uh, just so many negative things about the religion and I thought those things as well when I was like 10 years old I posted on Facebook ban the burqa because I thought Muslims were a threat to society like a lot of people in this country are manipulated into thinking that Muslims are a threat to society that they're gonna um, change our ways because they hate us and they're only here because they want to infiltrate and these are the kind of things that you know you're taught and when i started meeting muslims in turkey i was like these guys don't want to kill me like <laughs> they they just want to like give me free food and <laughs> they just want to invite me to their house and give me some elma chai which was my favorite tea while i was there so um alhamdulillah that Turkey just really changed my opinion of Muslim people. And through changing my opinion of Muslim people, I started looking into the religion of Islam.
0: Masha. Um, So, you know, like, you know, some atheists would say that, I mean, I come across some atheists, they would say that, you know, this is all a man-made thing. How do you know for sure God exists? Uh, how, what's your answer to that, that comment?
4: I would say that it's belief, it's faith. And having faith in something is not saying I know 100 million, 10 percent that this is real because Allah wants us to believe in him. If Allah wanted us to know 100 percent fact, there's no doubt, then Allah would show us like he, you know, show us some kind of major, major sign, you know, to Mm. show like that, that this is fact. And everyone would be like, this is fact. No one can say anything against this, but it's belief it's faith and you've got to have a sense of you've got to like take a leap when it comes to faith because if it was 100 sure then there would be no test there would be no test everyone would believe everyone would follow the quran exactly because it's like this is a 100 percent fact and there's no test but it's, it is a test so our beliefs go up and down some days we feel like we're so connected to god we can do, like, we're going to pray all of our or I'm going to fast today, I'm going to be so good, I'm going to give so much to charity. And some days you sit there and you think, oh, my God, I have to go out wearing hijab and I just don't feel like it. I just don't want to. I just, I just don't want to put hijab on today. I just feel a bit lazy when it comes to prayer today. And we all have these ups and downs. It's very normal. So, like, coming to believe... It's important to do everything you can to try and make sure your belief is there, is high, but sometimes it does go down. And sort of coming back to your question, for me, for me, when it comes to knowing that this is the truth, there are a couple of things. A lot of people, when they talk about the Quran, they talk about very logical facts, which are interesting, but my brain is not an academic brain. I don't um, I don't associate with that kind of personality. I'm more of a creative feeling type. So yeah, when people say to me, like, um, all these facts in the Quran, look at this, it's so interesting, look at this. I'm like, that's cool. But just my kind of personality is more about feeling. So for me, it's more effective when I make a du'a and I feel like Allah's listening and Allah answers my du'a. Like, that's very effective for me. That, that, that kind of feeling you get as a Muslim when you're praying and all of a sudden all your anxiety goes away and you think, actually, why am I worried about dunya? Like, this shouldn't be worrying me. Just think about Allah. Just be with Allah. That feeling is more important to me than any of these kind of scientific facts and all this kind of stuff that you find. Now, some people yeah. have academic brains, logical brains. They love this stuff. MashaAllah, it's amazing. If that increases your belief, then go for it. But for me, a lot of my belief just lies in feeling the way I feel. It might not be a positive thing, I don't know. But that for me, that's how I know that this is true. The way that I feel, the way that I feel connected and the the way that bad things don't worry me as much and the way that good things make me feel more happy, more grateful. These are the, these are the reasons, you know.
5: Aisha yeah. made uh, really good
4: points there, if I could add. Um, yeah. I like what you said.
5: <laughs> I like what you said because, you know, kind of indirectly you're saying that everybody's perception is different and everybody feels and receives things very differently. And and when you give Dawa, it is a very personal experience. You know, one book, one pamphlet isn't going to be sufficient for everybody. And so like understanding where that person comes from and where their their beliefs come from is very important when you're speaking to people like this. And, you know, I, I would say to people like that, there's a lot of things on this earth that we believe in because people have told us that it's true. For example, gravity, okay? We've been told we stick to the earth because of gravity. Nobody's seen gravity. We've seen how gravity works, but we can't obviously see gravity. Or our trek up the mountain, you know? We were told the peak is is there. We couldn't see it because it was so cloudy, but we knew to get there, we had to keep taking the steps we were stepping and keep climbing to eventually get there, you know? So I would say to those kind of people, go with an open mind and an open heart because you know, I did a video recently um, doing Dawah in the street with uh, Brother Faisal Latif. And we met an atheist while we were out. And I kind of got the feeling that the minute he recognized what we were doing was a religious thing, he completely shut down. He already made his like preconception about it. And he was like, no, nah, I, I don't care about this, you know. And I asked him, like, do you think that you knowing it was a religious thing changed your experience? Like you weren't able to fully embrace the feeling that we wanted you to have when Brother Faisal recited the Quran?" And he was like, nah, no, nah. but you know, it sounded like a Christian. And he kind of confirmed what I had said by saying, I knew it, it was something religious because it sounds like a Christian song. And so telling them to like, just open your heart, open your mind. I'm not telling you to believe in anything, but just ask for guidance, like with sincerity and just open the Quran without the intention of looking for something to not believe in, you know, because I think you will find what you want when you go to the Quran, if you go to the Quran saying, okay, I want guidance. That's what you're going to find. If you go to the Quran, you say, I'm going to find violence. Then all you're going to focus on is one verse that says violence and not the verse after that says, but forgiveness is best and treat them with kindness and all these other things. You'll focus on the words you want to see. So that 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 would be the advice that I would give atheists, being an atheist <laughs> myself.
0: Beautifully said. I think both of you made a very strong point as well. I'd like to add on to that also um, that, you know, this is a miracle of the Quran, you see. You can have it talk to people that wants a logical kind of reasoning before they get, you know, um, is that is that Hang? <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. Before they can get, you know, the answer that they want, they need a logical kind of reasoning from the Quran and the Quran answers them. People who want to feel something from the Quran and they feel it. And you know, humans, we don't operate just on just five senses, in fact, you know. Um, and if you just operate on five senses, then you have a very limited view of the world because those senses that you have are limited, right? And the the reality is, it's way more than what your five senses can tell you. So with that alone, how you no know, God itself is an infinite thing, right? So maybe we should use more than just logical brain sometimes, but have faith. <laughs> yeah, yeah. All okay, right, back to uh, Aisha. Do, do any pan- panelists have any question from here on? You can just ask. Go ahead. You know, or I'll move on to the next part. No questions. Okay, cool. I
2: have a question. Um how okay, how cool. did like your friends and your peers react like you know when you when you first decided to like publicly like come out, you know? Like- <laughs>
1: um
4: well, they were like this girl's crazy. I don't know what's going on. I'm joking. They were so I had like a mixed reaction. Um my mom would come to me um with things she found on google and be like this is what you're getting yourself into like you need to know like this is this is this what's gonna happen <laughs> so and she would say things to me like when i first went to the mosque she sat me down and she was like if any man tries to talk to you when you go outside don't listen he might be trying to recruit you i'm like okay i won't so like these were the kind of like things she thought of that mosques were place people would go and like make conspiracy theories and like group up and do bad things so this is honestly what she thought um but when it comes to my friends uh a lot of my friends were very accepting um knowing the kind of person that i was that i was a bit random sometimes and that i wasn't afraid to kind of change Uh, i did that quite a lot of times in my life so some friends sent me some weird messages um i did get some people who were very concerned for me thought that maybe i was being recruited or that like a guy had made me do it and were sending things to me like um you know if you need someone to talk to i'm here like be careful um you can trust me like just tell me what's going on like i had one person who was very much like no seriously tell me what's going on i was like i became muslim it's peaceful it's nice and they're like okay but tell me what's really going on, you know. So uh, I had that, and then I had some some friends who were very accepting, who I honestly thought wouldn't be. Um, who would send me messages saying, "I'm so proud of you. You look so happy. You look like you've um, become less anxious. That you've settled down more in your life." So I honestly got a mixed reaction. Some people were really happy for me, and some people were like, "Be careful! Like you're gonna die." <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah
2: i love that so much and also i remember reading somewhere this is not really related to islam but like i remember reading this article where um this group was like you know ex- like testing people to like play dodgeball so they separated team a and team b into like wearing different jerseys you know like red team and blue team and at the end of the game you know like red team thought like blue team was cheating and like playing the ball wrong and like you know um you know trying to like you know what like you know, each other hated each other more because they were wearing different colored jerseys. And another test was done the same thing, except for this time they weren't wearing, like, they're all wearing, like, just normal clothes, you know? No difference in clothing. And at the end, the players reported that each other was actually really fair, that Team B was nice, Team A was nice, but the thing is, like, all, all the difference that was made, it was literally just, you know, the outside clothing. So in terms of Islam, it's almost a similar way. It's like tribalism, right? When people look at you and see that you're dressed differently, for example, they'll be like, oh my God, like, they're team B. Like, you know, we're team A, that's team B. They're like the liars. They're the bad people. They're the, they're the cheaters of this game, right? But like, yeah, like, it's really, it's a really good point that you, you said. Thank you for mentioning.
0: Yeah, I think a beautiful things uh, that you... You're, all of you have said it now. I uh, just want to ask the ladies, since they're like one, two, three ladies over here, are you all really oppressed? I mean, like, why are you wearing the hijab? <laughs> 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 Maybe you can get this answer out there for I'm really everyone. really oppressed yeah. by
5: the weather. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's
2: hot. Okay.
5: Yeah. No, alhamdulillah. So, I feel like hijab freed me, you know, before um, coming from like a very open sort of way of living you know very like club party life and and very like like image driven very like look and shallow kind of life um going from being looked at sort of like a piece of meat and then when i put on the hijab the same people's look changed completely from like nice to mashallah. i really (laughs) really liked the second one so much better it just made me feel so more like comfortable and not threatened at all i just and also like here i feel like i get a lot less attention obviously because most of the girls outside are not wearing much and then i'm out like full coverage you know and so i feel like i don't have that attention on me all the time which actually is quite like
4: relieving
0: oh mashallah what about sister aisha do you, do you, maybe you want to share some points on this
4: yeah i mean same as nyla really i do feel invisible a lot when i go out you would think that putting hijab on would make you stand out but it doesn't i mean from where i live here in the uk it doesn't i feel very invisible i'm not looked at the same way anymore um i mean I, i'm definitely not oppressed because obviously it's my own choice so there would have to be an impressor involved right in order to be oppressed but um alhamdulillah I mean covering up it helps in so many ways um not just when you go out on the street but just the way you kind of feel about yourself when you go online and you start looking at like videos of yourself and pictures of yourself you just don't feel like um I don't know, it's really hard to explain. It's one of those mm-hmm. like Hijabi girls get it only kind of thing. <laughs> it, it's something that you can't explain. It, it's a feeling. It's a feeling yeah. that you get when you go out or you see like um something of yourself and you're wearing hijab and you just think like oh, like alhamdulillah, I'm not I guess seeking attention the way that I used to. Mm-hmm. um in such mm-hmm. a negative way it was never positive i wasn't seeking attention like for people to be like oh she's smart or she's kind it was like oh look at that 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 looks good that's that's all i ever wanted and it's it doesn't help because you get in this weird situation actually i saw this happen recently there was a girl and she was wearing very very tiny shorts and she's like you know strutting around out on the street and then a guy whistles at her and she gets mad and i'm like like you want the attention, but then you get the attention, and you get mad. And I used to feel like that as well. I would dress in a way to get attention, but then guys would give me attention. I'd be like, "You can't say that to me." <laughs> like, why? Why do people do it? It's such a. There's no winning in this game. You just can't win. There's just no yeah. winning at all. But you wear hijab and you just leave all that behind.
0: <laughs> yeah, you, you, you made a really, really good point. Yeah, because nowadays we have people on. I mean, like we're on Instagram. We most of the time. The idea of Instagram is to get instant kind of gratification or something, right? They say, Do you, and people wear less so that they can get more attention on themselves, and after that they complain, "Why is everybody giving me all that attention?" So, yeah, I can It's kind of, of odd as well, I would say. Um, and uh, it's it's strange, you know, because if you look at, uh, Mary, the Mariam, mother of Jesus, right, mother Isa, right. So when you see her, she's she's wearing a full covered head, scarf as well, you call it. And uh, in today's time, if she were to walk on the streets, you know, anyone would just think that she might be Muslim. Unless she said, oh, no, I'm, you know, something else. But just one look, people might actually think she's a Muslim, right? Just putting it out there. So you can see, you know, it's so weird that the you know, media created this whole hype on, you know, the, the thinking about this. And yeah, for those in Southeast Asia, if you don't know what hijab is, um, it's also called Tudong here yeah, in Southeast Asia. It's Tudung, the Malay, Malay word for hijab. <laughs> yeah. So uh back to Sister Aisha. Okay, now uh you, you shared all this. Um what about your industry? You know, you said you you're a media professional. Um what would you say is an advice for people who you know, want to pursue this industry and still continue practicing Islam in the halal way?
4: um well Nyla actually works way more in the industry than I do so she's probably more qualified to answer this question than me um for me I haven't really worked in the industry so much since I became Muslim being honest I haven't worked so much because it's not easy to find a project that um that is not just halal but that you want to work on because look if you're going to spend your time on something you have to be passionate about it you have to really want the project to exist to be out there to spend so much time working on it so much effort it's very important and for me since i've become muslim the only projects i feel like that with are islamic projects so anything to do with trying to you know defeat the misconception about islam um Anything that's positive to do with Islam, uh, Muslim crew, Muslim actors, Muslim writers, you know, things like this. this. This, My heart is just way more inclined to this than anything else. Um, since i become Muslim, I have turned down a couple of jobs actually on like BBC productions and stuff, just working as like a runner or an AD, um, just because I just felt like I just don't want to work in that environment where yeah. we're like, a lot of non Muslims I meet are so kind, mashallah. It's not about working with non Muslims. I'm fine with that. They're nice people, mashallah. The ones I mean, especially in our industry, I find a lot of people in the film industry are very kind, no matter where you're from. But it's just the fact that the project that we're making hasn't got any benefit to any Muslims. And I think, what's the point? If it's not this project that we're going to make in the eyes of Allah, is it even halal? I don't know. And is it going to actually bring anyone closer to the deen? Is anyone going to learn about Islam from it? No, because they're just like spy thrillers or something. And I'm just not interested. I just don't want to work on it. So for me, if you want to work in the industry, I think just really focus your attention on making good Islamic products. Like good Islamic, if you're a writer, you know, write amazing scripts for, about muslims that are not about terrorism because um, you know like 90% of things we see on the tv now for muslims in it they're probably more than likely going to be a terrorist um (laughs) you know we need more muslims in the industry to create those jobs people like you know nyla who are working for islam channel people who write people who direct people who act in every single aspect of the film industry we need people in who are Muslims, so we can team up together and we can make awesome halal films that are going to bring people closer to Allah, that are going to make Muslims feel happy when they're like, oh, I wear hijab. This girl wears hijab. She's really cool. She's really strong. MashaAllah. I like her. You know, instead of having to look at these negative role models like Gal Gadot, I'm going to say it, like, you know what I mean? We don't <laughs> want our, like, children to be looking at this. We want them to be mm. seeing, like, other Muslims doing amazing things. So just, if you want to get in the industry, get in the industry and just put your effort into making something good and halal and Islamic. That's what I recommend.
2: Aisha, can I, um,
4: can I interrupt for one second? Okay.
5: Yeah.
0: Right.
5: Takbir! Allahu Akbar! Allahu
0: Akbar! <laughs> we just
5: got a donation. Thank you so much, Gerald, um, uh. for doing that uh, and shouting out the link. We just got a donation, Alhamdulillah, for £360 from MAS in the comments. So uh, one more takbir! Allahu Akbar!
2: Allahu Akbar!
4: Allahu Akbar. If you haven't joined
5: our lives, Aisha and I do like a lot of takbirs. We do like live fundraisers and then we just scream like takbir! We get everybody yeah. like going on. So that's our thing. But alhamdulillah and uh, may Allah bless and reward you mass and give you even more in this life and the next for donating Ameen. to the orphans. Ameen. mean, Don't
0: get scared when you hear Allahu Akbar guys. You know. <laughs>
2: It's because, a happy I mean, one.
0: It's a happy one, you know. Uh, when we play games in the past, uh, I mean, for gamers like last time I used to play games, uh when I was not a Muslim, right? Back then, people used to say like it's a vulgarity thing.
3: <laughs> yeah, it's strange
0: because if people think you know we don't know much, right? We just see what the media says and then we say Allah Akbar, and people is like oh, there's a terrorist here or <laughs> something. I actually, you know, like, they, I'm like, a, yeah.
5: I really believe in taking that word back. Like, I feel like that word has been stolen from us by the media. Yeah. And so in any situation I can, that I'm happy, I actually very openly use it. Like when I got my driving license um last year, after the the teacher was like, okay, you passed. I was like, Allahu Akbar. I'm like, <laughs> both my driving instructor and my, my, te- my teacher were both white men. And <laughs> they were both... <laughs> happening here <laughs> I, Like her right in the middle of the parking lot they're like i don't know what's happening but you know we gotta own it like aisha and i right. were at a protest for palestine <laughs> and we were with the press so we were like before the protest standing by the police and then in the palestine protests everyone does tuck beers and so I heard in the distance, somebody yelled beer. and I just whipped around. I was like, Allahu Akbar. And this police officer like jumped.
2: <laughs>
5: <laughs> it's all good. We're happy. Don't worry,
1: <laughs> but Watch I really up.
5: believe we need to take it back. It's our word. Yeah. We use it in prayers mm-hmm. every day. Um, we actually, mm-hmm. I made a, a film with um, the company I was working with before um, about a guy named Alan Akbar who, funny enough, is a um, Southeast Asian name after Googling. It's not a real story, but it was in a satirical newspaper here. And Alan goes into Starbucks and orders a coffee. And when they call out his name, Alan Akbar, everybody like loses it and runs out of the coffee shop thinking that it's that. So we actually made a film about that (laughs) to bring the conversation back to don't be so silly. It's just a word. Learn the context, you know, And, and to say like even Christian Arabs use Allahu Akbar, like, oh, my God. That's their kind of oh. way of saying, my God, is Allahu Akbar. Right. So, yeah. Oh, I didn't know
2: that. Oh. Very important to open those
5: conversations and show people that, like, just because terrorists are using it as something to scare you doesn't mean that's actually what everyone else is saying it for.
0: Yeah. In fact, if you listen to the adhan, right, it's Allah Akbar, Allahu Akbar. So people think that's beautiful at the start. They don't, like, straight away, you know, pee in your pants and run away or something. Yeah. <laughs>
3: It's the context, right?
0: <laughs> it's lot the context. But I, but yeah. I kind of
1: feel like there's a massive shortage of like Muslim films or Muslim media in general. Because when I before I converted, I I was trying to find uh, a good film about Islam, and all I found was The Message, which is a marvelous film. But it was kind of like the only one, which was really recommended by everyone. And I was like, where is all the Muslim media, right? And I don't know if this is. Uh, you know, because of lack of effort, I don't think so. But, you know, I was just kind of wondering, where is everybody? And, you know, your efforts, I mean, it's kind of like seeing light at the end of the tunnel. But, yeah.
0: Beautiful, yeah. Um, somebody gave this comment for Sister Nyla. Sister Nyla' latest video, unveiled was very impressive and inspirational. Do check it out, guys. <laughs> check out Victoria of Islam to to watch the video. Yeah, yeah
5: that one is about... Um see like everything I do has like a social political (laughs) spin to it that one was um highlighting the hypocrisy of the time um in the pandemic where it was illegal to not wear a face covering and also in France it was illegal to wear a face veil and so that Uh film is about 50 seconds long it's really short it's a spoken word um unveiling the hypocrisy that exists and and the the difficulties that our sisters in niqab face And Subhanallah, Mm -hmm. actually backstory to that video, about five minutes before I filmed it, was the first time I ever had an Islamophobic attack on me. Mm -hmm. And I got called a beeping terrorist. Um, I wasn't even wearing the niqab, I had it over my head. I was just wearing a black abaya and black hijab. And standing in my own neighborhood in central London, I got called a terrorist. And in that Mm -hmm. moment, I had to think to myself, like, how do I respond to this? Because I could be angry, I could, there's so many different ways, right? And immediately I thought, like, what would Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him, do? And so I just turned him because I know whatever he's saying towards me is misinformation. He doesn't know what I believe. So I just said, peace and love, brother. I don't hate you. And he, oh. he was like taken back. He didn't know how to respond. He couldn't yell anything else at me after that, subhanAllah. But Allah put me in that situation so that when I filmed this uh, video, I actually would know what it felt like to be one of my sisters in niqab. So, yeah, the So, yes, subhanAllah. MashaAllah.
0: To add, to add on to what Sister Nyla just said, you know, I have a friend named Bilal. Uh, he's a French uh, revert. He's in Singapore. Uh, his story about his uncle, he shared with me once, who have so much misconception about Islam that he uh, basically asked him, drink the alcohol, you know, eat the pork on my table or something. And uh, instead of getting angry with him, Bilal actually went to the table and get some fruits and dates and honey or something, and he goes to his uncle and said, "Uncle, this is for you, and you know I love you," something like that. So he did the opposite; like he did more love instead of showing his anger. And his uncle, since then, treated him way better than ever before. And you know, so that's a beautiful da'wah that he he did. I would, I would say, yeah. Um. So okay, now next thing on ask is for our sister Aisha right um <laughs> sorry i lost my train no of thoughts <laughs>
4: <laughs> it's
2: okay i
5: have a question for aisha no oh,
2: yeah go ahead yeah you, no, no, you no.
5: <laughs> <laughs> so aisha you've had um mixed responses from your non-muslim friends and stuff How has been your experiences with Muslims? And do you have like mixed kind of experiences with Muslims as well? Like maybe some people think you're like a Jewish spy.
4: (laughs) (laughs) Oh my god. There's two reasons she's asked this. One is because she wants me to big her up. I'm joking. No, she um Mm -hmm. so yeah, so my Muslim friends, Mashallah, are amazing. Um, Nyla's amazing. (laughs) Um Uh, No, I've met so many amazing sisters. Seriously, so many amazing sisters. But some people do think I'm a Jewish spy. And some people have gone to great, great lengths to prove that I'm a Jewish spy by writing a very lengthy 100-point email with everything that I've ever done in my life to prove that I'm a Jewish spy, including the triangles in my hijab, the um (laughs) the (laughs) fact that my name is rosa lie you see lie because i'm lying uh there's a couple (laughs) of other things as well but um but on a serious point um it's a shame that there are sort of these conspiracy theorists like in art that really instead of seeing the beauty and like someone who becomes muslim starts sort of doubting them suspecting they're doing something evil or and starts thinking they're like some part of big organization or something. It, when it first happened, um I was very scared because somebody came up to me in the street and told me they wanted to kill me because they thought I was Jewish. So a Muslim brother was like are you Jewish? I was like no. He was like I'm pretty sure you're a Jew and if you are I'm going to kill you. This is what he said to me in a Palestine oh. march. Um that was the first time it happened, and then the second time was somebody else sent a very lengthy email to my husband, telling him that they're pretty sure that I'm a spy, he needs to get away because I'm trying to make him into a suicide bomber. Again, so this is like also that I was the reason 9-11 happened and COVID. I, I was behind everything, right? This was, like <laughs> the whole, this was the whole like conspiracy theory. Better but, off the show. <laughs> <laughs> quick, cancel, cancel. No, but it, it was very scary when it happened, because It makes you kind of sad to think that when you become Muslim, right, a lot of people in your life go against you. I mean, like family go against you. A lot of your friends go against you. And then all of a sudden you're part of this new family, the Ummah, and you meeting brothers and sisters. And then some of those start to go against you because they're like, you're not part of my sect. You're not Muslim. Or you're not this. You're not Muslim. And then it's like, you're a Jewish spy. You're not Muslim. So even there's like, um, there's uh, all these conspiracy theories, all this hate inside of our own and It's very disheartening. And a lot of Muslims um, are leaving, like a lot of people who revert to Islam are leaving the religion because of this. They go to mosque, they're told they're not good enough. You, You know, they they go home, they're told they're not good enough by their own family because they become Muslim. So they end up being like, what, why, why do I do this when all I get is hate from everyone? And a lot of people leave the religion because of this. So we do need to be more compassionate and more kind. Alhamdulillah, I have met so many kind, compassionate people, but it is also important to make sure that if you're someone that's ever said anything negative to like anyone in the ummah, then kind of look at yourself and be like, why did I say that? Why did I do that? Why am I thinking negative of this person? I remember seeing something recently of a sheikh and he was talking about some really old imam and he was saying, if I saw a Muslim with alcohol in his beard, I would think someone threw it at him. Like, this is the kind mm-hmm. of mentality we should have when it comes to seeing our brothers and sisters. It's not thinking the worst of them, thinking the best of them. You know, that's mm-hmm. my point.
2: Said you said it? Yeah. Has anyone yes.
5: else? experienced this because i i experienced this when i first converted having you know born muslims like doubting that i was really a muslim did anyone else here experience that yeah
3: yeah
0: yeah, um,
3: yeah. I-, I just wanted to share uh that um so- something that really hit me uh, when you guys were sharing i uh, think and also thank you you guys for sharing because you're so inspirational um Something that uh, I I recall when you guys were sharing about um you know thinking good of your brother and all was was actually uh, one of the narrations of the Prophet Wasallam where um you know he, he when, when his companions actually killed three people in the war um uh, and and told him uh, why he killed them they they stated that the reason why was because um they said they're shahada but you know they say just so that they could save their own lives. That's why we killed them, right? So he got so angry to the point at which he, his forehead formed a line and, and, you know, his face was so scrunched because he was so angry. And he asked them, like, did you cut open their heart to check that whether they, they meant their, their dean or not? So they said they couldn't. You know, so that that's that's the kind of you know who's news on you know good good thought of our brothers and sisters that we should be giving them to the extent which some scholars will even mentioned that um you know um uh, who's on or thinking good for a brother is finding hundred up to hundred excuses for them you know and and if you can't find any uh you know then then put the blame on yourself that, that you're not able to you know make the situation better for them so uh I I think in my own experience um with, with respect to this my last question um. I think one of the times we were having iftar at the masjid, and it was me and my my other combat friends. Um, I was a Chinese Muslim, and there was an Indian Muslim, and I think we were joined by another Chinese Muslim. And, um, the majority of Muslims in Singapore they are Malay Muslims. So it was just three of us. Uh, you know, a, a very odd group of our brothers having iftar together at the mosque. And someone turned to us and they asked, oh, "Are you guys Muslims?" You know, and with the intention to find out whether we were just there for the food at the masjid. So uh, I think then we were, we were lucky because we were you know quite uh, we were quite into the stage where we were quite firm in our faith that it didn't really affect us. But we also remarked that you know if you we were younger Muslims, then we probably would have been put off by what they had mentioned and and you know why would they question the fact that I'm in a mosque having iftar with our brothers and sisters and they ask whether we are Muslims or not. So so that was that um, our experience in the mosque.
0: Yeah, for for me um for me is when I buy food right even for Malay food or Muslim food. I would say salam alaikum and they won't reply with a uh, walaikum salam <laughs> because they think that I'm I probably just wanna get discount. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> <the third> <laughs> so yeah, I mean I, I I say uh maybe I should recite Fatiha here. <laughs>
1: Well, actually, what you experience is very similar to what what, what I've experienced, because I tried to visit many different mosques uh, around my area because I was trying to look for a community, right? But most mosques here are bound to a certain ethnicity, like Turkish uh, mosques or uh, Moroccan mosques or Ethiopian mosques, whatever. And sometimes when you enter one of these ethnic ethnic mosques, which, you know, shouldn't be a thing, but, you know, uh, they just look at you like, what are you doing here? And then I try to preemptively, I feel the pressure, you know, and then I try to preemptively say salam alaikum to, you know, kind of signal I'm a Muslim. I'm one of you guys. But the second question is always, are you are you a Uyghur? <laughs> you know, uh, and, uh, you know, I kind of don't know how to answer. And then usually it's fine, but it's just weird to have this kind of um, suspicion, you know, before uh, you enter a mosque
2: i just want to add that i think i think this this suspicion comes from the fact that maybe they themselves can't picture they themselves doing the same thing as you did so they also don't believe the fact that you did um a few weeks ago i was literally at the grocery store and i was like you know going through the checkout and then this lady this cashier like you know she was like looking at me like a lot and then she asked me finally like oh like are you muslim and stuff i'm like yeah and she's like so like did you convert for your partner like or something like that and like she just she just assumed or she said like oh and your partner is muslim or something like that like she just assumed like automatically oh it's because and then she says she's from she's persian or like iranian i think and then you know she she's like a little bit muslim or something like that i think that's mm-hmm. what she said but um you know her, her first assumption was that i i did it for like a man and not just for myself but like i think this just comes down The suspicion comes down to like the scrutiny comes down to the fact that she herself can't imagine herself entering into a, a religion randomly without any like um you know purpose so maybe she thinks like other people also um can't like it's not able to do it and i feel that like a lot with like the muslim community sometimes they think like i'm doing it for like uh popularity or something or like um because of a man or i don't know whatever reason and a lot of times just they themselves they can't feel like they don't understand how like you know because they were born into it they can't imagine going into it so maybe that there's like a lack of like understanding from their perspective here
0: yeah Uh, i mean another thing is uh, that i get it very often in singapore is people look at me when i send a muslim uh, even for non-muslim and muslim they think i did it out of marriage know that i'm here because of a lady and for love and that's why i'm here for islam <laughs> yeah I, but you know instead of i love allah <laughs> that's why I'm, I'm choosing islam well okay so um back to Aisha, right i want to ask you okay you said okay given the the whole landscape of how the media portray islam and how you know it's taboo talk about it in some places maybe um what exactly is it in Islam that really attracted you? You said you was feeling. So maybe can you share with us that particular feeling that you had? Or is it the Quran that you read a certain verse that you know touched your heart? Or was it just the examples that Muslim portrayed to you and the whole peace that you felt? Just just throwing out there as, you know, possible reasons why. Maybe you can share with us that feeling that you have.
4: Yeah I mean it's hard to pinpoint and put a name on it and I guess describe it but there were things that were happening to me when I was going on my journey that I haven't spoken about that I don't talk about online but there were things that were happening to me and Islam really helped me through those things when I so when I was discovering Islam there were some really bad things going on and um the two things coming together the negativity that was happening in my life and the um Islam coming in and kind of saving me were were the were the reasons why I really ended up loving the deen. Um At the time I was discovering Islam, when these things were going on, I would um, I remember there would be times where I would um, pray in the kitchen in my mom's house, just on the floor on my knees, just for hours, and I would cry for hours, and I'd make du'a for hours, and um, that feeling I knew I couldn't let go of. Because that feeling was something that got me through a really awful time in my life. And I knew that once that time had finished, there was no going back from that. There was no like, oh, thank you, God, for helping me by. Like, there was a, that, that just wasn't an option for me. It was like, this is something I need to sustain. And this is something I need to um, keep forever. And it is... Honestly, it it is a feeling, and it's a feeling that I can't describe, but it's a feeling that made me believe. And I guess there's nothing else really to say, um, because it's just really hard to put into words, but it's it's a belief based on feelings that I had in a dark point in my life um, that Allah got me through and it was only Allah that got me through nothing else nobody else I was completely on my own it was only Allah it was just me and Allah I I wasn't talking to anyone at the time I was very alone and um yeah Allah saved me and that was it really
1: I think we need
5: to do another takbir Allahu Akbar Akbar. Akbar.
1: you
5: need the biggest takbir you can do takbir Allahu Allah, Allah, Allah. Allah, Allah, Allah. One thousand pounds donated mush I like red when I read it. <laughs> <Can you know>? <laughs> 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 wow, Why beautiful. didn't we come you, on and do some fundraisers with you earlier? Yeah. We <laughs>
2: should
4: have came here. You got
5: you got it. Yeah, Mashallah. We are now at eleven thousand four hundred and thirty six. Wow. Beautiful people, mashaAllah. Big love to the Ummah. Yeah. Thank you so much guys for donating. Thank you so Alhamdulillah.
0: Much, guys. Yeah,
5: Alhamdulillah. Allah bless yeah. you all.
0: Ma yeah, yeah. Amin, I mean, I mean. So you know, for for um some people they also say the shahada uh, was an experience they felt when they first took the shahada. Did you have this feeling as well? What was there like a epiphany or something? I don't know.
4: <laughs> no, I mean for me I was already praying, I was already wearing hijab um the shahada was just the last step and it Mm -hmm. wasn't like some kind of big moment for me i didn't do it like at a mosque i didn't have people there i didn't know any muslims at the time it was very much by myself just me and allah in my living room that was it that i mean it was very it was just me like okay i'm i'm gonna save this now i didn't know it off by heart so i read it from google and i was like Mm -hmm. okay i've done it And that was it. I mean, it wasn't like... um, A lot of people describe it as like a big moment. People were cheering. People were happy. But for me, it was just... It was something that I already felt Muslim. I already called myself Muslim. So it was... um, Yeah, it wasn't like a... It didn't have like a huge feeling come with
0: it. Ah, You know, um, having said that, right, you know, I think sometimes the simplest things are actually the best. Not everybody Mm -hmm. gets like the kind of like... Wow, suddenly very purified kind of feeling i would say or or anything else but sometimes you know you have really a strong connection with allah and then that's that how it happens um so yes so before we go to the advice uh panelists do you have any other questions for sister aisha here regarding her story her journey no okay cool yeah so uh that here's the link i just put it up again if inshallah you want to donate you have four days before they close the donation box (laughs) Uh, so you know feel free to donate anytime all right so sister Aisha what would you say uh, would be your advice to someone who probably have not thought about the meaning of life should they look for the meaning of life is it important Um, should they is there really a heaven hell maybe okay the kind of questions you know Um, or an advice also for new reverts people who just embrace islam what would you say to them
2: i
4: think if you're here watching this and there's something in your heart that's inclined towards islam so i think that you need to um first be happy that allah has brought you here alhamdulillah like that's a huge step it's an amazing step not many people get it but also start thinking to yourself like is this something that I'm serious about. And if the answer is yes, then it's time to take your shahada. If the answer is no, then I I recommend carrying on learning. And Mm. just keep learning. There's no harm that can come from learning. Don't think to yourself, um, I'm learning about Islam, therefore I have to be Muslim because I know that if I had that mindset, I wouldn't have learned about Islam. I know that it's okay to be curious, keep being curious, ask the questions, If you have any unanswered questions, get them answered. A lot of the reasons why people don't become Muslim is because they have big unanswered questions and they're too scared to ask them. And they just don't ask anyone. And then eventually that kind of feeling fades away and they forget about their endeavor towards Islam. So I recommend um, get your questions answered. Uh, Meet other Muslims. Go to masjids with imams, people you can trust. Um, ask those questions look up um if you follow any like shakes on um, youtube ones that you trust like for me i, I like Mufti menk a lot so like i like watching mifty menks videos you know get inspiration from those and when the time is right take your shahada um don't wait for a sign a lot of people wait for a sign and they're like i'm waiting for this candle to burn out and then i know god is listening to me it's not like that you have to take a leap of faith and at some point in your life you have to be like okay i believe i'm gonna take my shahada um people who are newly reverted to islam my biggest recommendation i always say this is keep learning just keep learning. If if there's an opportunity, if you have time in your life for you to do a course, I highly recommend taking courses. Um, learning about Islam online is great. There are a lot of amazing lectures, a lot of amazing scholars, but having a structured course can really help build on your knowledge block by block and um, build that foundational knowledge and take it further. I think honestly learning about the religion is a lifelong thing. So if you don't know Arabic, learn Arabic. Honestly, it's you may think what's yeah. the point but there's a huge point because unlocking the quran with the original language is huge and it's something that we have that's so different to other religions is that a lot of us we learn arabic we read the source we don't just read translations a lot of us we try to go to the source and every quran you find well most of them you'll find the arabic and the english it's something that's very special in our religion so really learn arabic take the time try and do an arabic course honestly i think doing an arabic course will help you be so strong in your deen, Inshallah
0: beautiful well said and i think you know um this uh, journey of knowledge is also explained in the hadith right if you seek knowledge allah will make the path to heaven easy for you um, yeah. because now you have a stronger and firmer understanding of your faith and that is how you strengthen your faith as well it's not something like uh, just believe and i mean just believe is a start take a leap of faith yes but to keep going right to keep that faith going at, constantly you need to seek knowledge so that when people post a question to you or when someone who is curious about the meaning of life you can at least be someone who's who shared that message that understanding of you know for example why is there a god or why is there uh, why is this purpose and meaning of life at least you know you don't rely on somebody to just be a da'i all the time go and give da'wah and da'wah. you can be a da'i yourself so by increasing your knowledge yeah, that's what I have to say uh, on top of what uh, Sister Aisha said. Yeah, so um, for the panelists, do you have uh, any more questions for Sister Aisha? Really? <laughs> because today is like the, the 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 last episode of season two. Um, we will take a break after that and be back maybe in December, inshallah. Uh, we are recalibrating and looking at all the contents that we have and trying to give you uh, something better, inshallah. Um, so for any questions about Aisha do you have questions for us
4: <laughs> do I have questions for you guys yes Um.
0: Hmm. Mm. by the way there's one comment that said you can be 007 Aisha
4: <laughs> <laughs> I mean I could be I also could be a lizard that's the theory I'm going for right now is the lizard theory I don't know if you guys have heard of it but the theory that the royal family are lizards, I'm part of that
2: family. So. I have a question. Why, why do people think that you're a Jewish spy? Like, if I just saw you on the street, I would never assume you're a Jewish spy. And why so specific? Like, why Jewish out of all, like, <laughs> out of, like, why not Buddhist spy? Like, why not, like, like, Hindu spy? Why Jewish spy? I'm just so confused why people would ever think of you as a Jewish spy. Please explain. <laughs> Tell her about
5: Abdullah as well. This is a very common thing, isn't it, Aisha?
4: Yeah, mm. this is just something that happens to a lot of us. Even our friend Abdullah happened to him as well. Um, it's just, I don't and know. He a I think I- <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's a revert. Sorry, yeah, a lot of our revert friends. I don't know why. I, mean, I thought maybe it was my nose, but apparently, I mean, it's happened <laughs> to Abdullah as well, and Abdullah doesn't look Jewish, so I have no idea why. It's just a random thing. I honestly don't know.
0: I think everyone should stay clear of stereotypes. Um sometimes people think I'm from China when I'm not. I'm from Singapore, somewhere in Southeast Asia, below Malaysia. Yep. It's kind of rhyme, you, right. Oh, so
1: you're not a so you're not a spy for the Chinese Communist Party?
0: No, 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 not a spy from the Chinese Communist Party. I oh, can't okay. really speak Chinese that well compared to uh, you, brother it's kind of
1: <laughs> But yeah, that might just be a, you know, you're pretending, right?
0: Yeah, oh yeah, maybe, maybe. Yeah, this yeah, is yeah, a yeah. very good conspiracy theory. <laughs> exactly. Uh, All
1: conspiracy theories are like this unfounded and random. So, yeah.
0: Yeah. So, um, yeah. So, I guess, you know, if there's no other questions, right, you guys can still feel free to post them later in the comment section. Uh, Regarding the donations, I'm going to put it up again one more time because, you know, we just feel that, you know, we can do something awesome, right? So, we should do it. So, this is the link um, if you'd like to donate to Gaza. And just to launch a good campaign, um, hosted by Naila and Aisha, to to uh, put your donations there, and inshallah, may Allah also grant you the reward here and hereafter, in this life and hereafter. Yeah. Okay. So without much further ado, guys, we'll miss you very much while we take a break, um, and I'll miss all my panelists here too. Um, inshallah, maybe we have something to do on a more personal level. We can share our experiences in life, how they apply to Islam. You know, for example, um, maybe when you're in the media industry, you face certain challenges, and you can share those part of how you use Islam to, you know, overcome it. Something like that, along those lines. I have some ideas, but maybe we'll talk uh, after this live. Inshallah. Okay. So without much further. Further ado, guys. Thank you so much for tuning in again to the last episode of Season Two Shahero Night Live. Assalamualaikum, warahmatullahi barakatuh Good night, everyone.
4: Assalamualaikum